Hello, welcome to Cards of the Octagon. This is our first ever episode of our brand new MMA and Cards show. Um, let me introduce our two amazing hosts, Devin, 314 Sports Cards. He's uh, the owner of 314 Sports Cards. He's been a big UFC fan for years, and um, he's just excited to be here. On the other end, we have All Time Cards, also known as Gavin. Gavin is also a big UFC fan, and uh, there has been a friendship developed between Devin and Gavin, and they're both here to talk UFC and cards and have a good time. So uh, take it away, guys. Thanks for the intro, Fahad. Uh, looking, really looking forward to this venture. So excited to be doing it with two of my best friends. I think we all three wanted to create some sort of you know, content, media, podcast show that really ties together the sport we all love, UFC and mixed martial arts, with the collectibles that come along with it, like trading cards. I think I speak for Gavin and Pod when saying that for the longest time, there weren't really many collectibles that could you could acquire for the fighters and athletes in UFC and in MMA. So especially with the last couple of years with painting and getting the license, it's been fun to kind of see a more active market and being able to pick up cards of the fighters that and athletes that we watch on TV. Uh, I kind of been, I've been a fan since I can remember maybe 2010, 2011. I really got into it a little bit more serious during middle school and high school. I remember watching some of the George St. Pierre fights and just being hooked right away. Uh, so it's kind of cool nowadays to be able to, to pull in and, and, and trade and buy for George St. Pierre cards because, you know, in 2011, 2010, UFC cards from tops were so brand new. Um, I've always been a card collector. I've been a, been a you know high card collector since I was a kid, and collected collect, collect some baseball cards as well. But being able to collect UFC cards and, and MMA trading cards kind of been a bright spot of my last couple of years, especially with meeting new people like Gavin as well. Yeah, thanks for the intro as well, Fahad. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat with Devin, um, except I'm a little bit newer to the whole UFC game. I think I've. I've known about the UFC for a while, but more recently in like the past two years, I've really started getting deep and down and analyzing the UFC and with the deal, deal with uh, Panini, um, obviously that puts a new light into the UFC, which is really awesome. Like Devin was saying, there's new collectibles, new kind of stuff that people can really get into um, with the UFC. So the new emergent with Panini, um, Tops was there before, but Panini kind of just take it, take it over the edge. So similar i uh i love collecting this new stuff and it's definitely getting bigger and bigger so i'm very excited to see where it goes yeah i mean i, I think cards i've always said people in my store and stuff cards do a great job of bringing fans and collectors closer to the sports that they love you know if you pull a, a mike trout card you're now a mike trout fan in st louis missouri right so being able to collect cards of ufc fighters that you can watch every saturday is kind of a cool thing and People are now getting into it more and more than ever before. I just wanted to say, uh, Fahad, what is your background with UFC? And we can't wait to get started with you as like the tech guy behind this whole project. Uh, thank you for giving me a space to speak. Um, I'm happy to be here. I do like the production aspect of things. So everything here is, you know, behind the scenes. I'm taking care of everything. But to answer your question specifically, uh, I got into UFC relatively recently uh, my introduction to UFC was actually through video games I got into playing um, UFC 2 because it was given to me for free um, I don't remember how but you know I started playing and I started knowing all the players th or the fighters through that and I was never really like interested in watching just because it just didn't occur to me but then when I met you and I started working here at 314 Sports Cards, I got more and more into it through you and through the cards. So I actually got into the sport through the cards, not the cards through the sport. Um, but my favorite fighter is Adesanya, anime lover. We're both here. And uh, maybe one day he'll be here. So we'll see. I think it's kind of cool that, you know, as you said, Fod, you've gotten into the sport because of being on the cards. Whereas I think Gavin and I, it's, we were maybe around cards before we got into UFC cards, 
but we were always in the UFC before we were into the cards. And I think I speak for you when I say that, Fahad, like you, you would see someone open a box of Prism UFC in 2021 here and then have these ideas of fighters in your heads and now be able to watch them with me or with your dad or whatever at night is kind of a cool thing to do. Exactly, yeah. So I guess uh, we'll talk about kind of what 314 Sports Cards does. We've been a store now approaching two years now. We opened up November 2020, so kind of still during the COVID days and everything. Um, we sell all sports cards, baseball, basketball, football, and of course our two favorites, hockey and MMA, hockey and UFC. We have a great selection of local team cards, Cardinals cards, Blues cards. But again, really trying to make a focus on hockey and UFC. Whether you're looking for a Connor McDavid card or a Patty Pimblett card, whoever it might be, we, uh, we have those cards for you for sure. And then just to add on to what you said, if you guys are interested in UFC cards, follow our Instagram at 314sports underscore cards. You guys can send us DMs. We'll always reply to them. That way, if you're looking for any cards, We'll find them for you. And of course, you know to follow also All Time Card, which Gavin will get into here in a second, but also Cards of the Octagon, of course, the name of this very show you're listening to right now. Absolutely. Gavin, why don't you explain what you do and go from there? Yeah, of course. So I'm sure many of you guys listening um, know me as All Time Card. So my real name is Gavin. Um, and so basically, what All Time Cards is, is I started about, I think it was about a year and a half ago, I really started. Um, I would say my business about a year and a half ago. So basically what I do, um, I'm also longtime sports card investor and uh, collector. So um, now I am more into UFC more than anything. Um, basically, I've always been collecting. So I've had an excess amount of cards for the longest time. Um, but basically what I do now is I am a seller on the platform, whatnot, which is a live auction website. Um, so it's a lot of fun, a lot, a lot of fun. Basically, the way I got into that is I first started just making posts, um, relative posts on like events that happen with athletes on Instagram, on my Instagram at all time cards. Um, and it was just fun at first. And then one day I actually got one of the PSA catalogs in and they were advertising uh, this app called Whatnot. Um, and I believe that was about a year ago. So it was still relatively new as a as a company and whatnot um and so i did a little bit of research on what whatnot is and uh, like i said it is a live auction website so basically um before whatnot was a thing i was selling on ebay and mercari um trying to get rid of inventory and stuff i had like that on there um but with whatnot what that does for you is it is literally a live ebay so basically um, you go on whatnot if you have an account, if you're a seller, you get to live stream, hang out with all your friends, uh, people looking for specific things. Um, with me, now it's UFC. When I first started whatnot, like I said, I kind of just had a bunch of different cards. So I was selling all sports. Now I'm more specific to UFC, so I only sell UFC cards. Um, but yeah, it's just a live auction website. Um, I feel like it, it's just a whole lot of fun. I've grown pretty big on it and I've got a good amount of people that I really made a community with. Um, so I stream pretty much every Wednesday, Friday and Saturday. Um, and we talk UFC, everybody can request UFC cards that they want to see. I can throw them up and they can, uh, they can buy them. So it's a whole lot of fun. Yeah. It's awesome. Gavin. I think as just kind of personally, from my perspective, seeing you kind of get into this even more. So the last few months knowing you and everything and before you went to college again, it's kind of been fun to see the growth of your brand and the growth of your whatnot stream. I mean, I think you had over 1,000 followers recently, if I recall, and it's really cool. And I'm we're very happy with that, and we hope that this helps with that as well. So, yeah, yeah, sure. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, we've I've been able to grow it. I mean, it was a it was a slow and steady pace at the beginning. Um, I know the application. If anybody's listening and they want to check out whatnot, the application process is a whole lot faster. Than when it first started because there were so many people wanting to be sellers on whatnot because it's it's very convenient so from what i've seen um with people that i've helped get on the app to become sellers the uh registration process isn't as long so if you're interested in joining whatnot um you can just join it's free to join to watch um and buy it's completely free um, if you do want to become a seller, it's also completely free. You just have to fill out a form and they should be, their customer service is great. So they should get back to you within a couple, couple weeks to a month, I think at the longest. I do want to point out that we are 
not sponsored by whatnot. Um, this is just everything we're saying out of experience with the app. For us as a shop under 314 Sports Cards, we just started working with them recently as a seller as well. Um, and I just wanted to make sure that, you know, this isn't like we're not just trying to like sponsor them and, you know, tell you guys about them. This is genuine, like because of the experience that Gavin has had with the app. Yeah. And 314 Sports Card has started it with hockey cards. So we're, we've been selling like Kilimacar cards and Conor McDavid cards, et cetera. Um, so it's kind of fun to do that. But yeah, I think we look forward to doing a great show here. I mean, we're going to be doing some really cool things with, you know, fighter content, maybe have a couple of fighter interviews every week or every couple of weeks. We want to do a lot of pack openings. We want to be able to show the audience and show the fans live on camera what they might get in certain Panini or even older Tops products. Uh, we're going definitely going to cover like industry news, whether it be both UFC news, UFC sports card news, or how they intertwines with each other. Uh, and then looking at like card product reviews and market trends as well. So I think I speak for everybody on the show where I think I'm, I'm very excited and we're very excited to start doing this and start trying to tie in, you know, UFC collectibles and UFC fires that we watch on TV. I'm telling you, man, we're bringing Adesanya here someday. We're going to have fun. Adesanya on the show. That's the goal. That's the goal of the show is to have Adesanya here. I hope so. We'll, make it, we'll definitely make it happen. That's for sure. <laughs> All right. So why don't you guys go ahead and talk about this last UFC that just happened? You guys, yeah, you, Gavin and Devin, go ahead. Yeah, so, of course, last weekend was, uh, I forget the name of the fight night. They always have, like, the numbering, I guess. But it was the main evented by Mackenzie Dern versus Jan Zhaonan. Gavin, what do you think of the main event? I'll start with that. Um, So, the main event, I actually really enjoyed this card. Um, I think it was definitely, there's always those sleeper fight night cards where people, um, as, as far as UFC fans go, they might not think it's the most interesting and entertaining, but I think the main event was actually very entertaining. Um, as far as Dern and Jan go, um, we had Dern. She was ranked number five. Uh, Jan was ranked number six before their fight last weekend. Obviously, Jan took the win in a decision. Um, yeah, I like I said, I thought it was very interesting. And uh, I guess my question to you is what you thought about it. Yeah, I think the fight kind of... And in, in, in my eyes, kind of went as everybody thought it might. Uh, Jan would win the standing exchanges in like the boxing, kickboxing exchanges, or I think she did. Uh, but then when the fight hit the mat, Dern would be in, in, in her world. And I think she won, I think it was rounds two and four, maybe two and five, by taking Jan down early on in the round and then just doing everything she could on the ground trying to, try to get a submission. So, yeah, I think, I mean, it was weird to see a fight have three rounds versus two rounds, but all five rounds be so one-sided for the winning round fighter. Um, but again, it goes to show, again, some of the things that those fighters do really do really well. And I think for Dern, it shows that maybe there can be some improvements with, with their stand-up. And, you know, although Jan didn't get submitted, maybe there's some things to be done about some of her grappling defense. But as I said, as you said, Gavin, it was a very good fight, very entertaining fight. I mean, even heading into the fifth round, it was pretty close, I think, um, no matter where the fight was. And, a good card in general, as, you, as we said. I mean, I think some of the other fights on that card, whether it be Randy Brown beating Trinaldo, whether it be Mike Davis, who was off for, I think, a year and a half now, came back, had a great win. Uh, Brennan Allen had a great win in the first round, too. So it was kind of cool to see some of these parties that maybe aren't so popular, aren't so noteworthy yet, have big performances on this card last weekend. Yeah, for sure. And going back to the main event, um, I guess the question is now, what's next for Dern and Jan? Um, basically, what I was looking into is that it's it's kind of hard, man. I don't I don't really know what's next for either one of them. Obviously, it was the five and the six, so they're kind of just in that middle range of almost getting a title shot. Um, but with that being said, I mean, if we look at the rankings, Marina Rodriguez is the number three in the strawweight division. Um, and then we've got Whaley versus Esparza coming up. So Whaley and Esparza, that already being booked, that leaves Marina Rodriguez at number three. Um, we've got Rose at number one. I think mm -hmm. what's next is probably going to be Rose and Marina because if you look at it, Marina Rodriguez just beat Jan this year. So it wouldn't make sense in my eyes to schedule the Rodriguez-Jan again 
it just doesn't make sense in my eyes. And so I think what's next for Jan, I mean, I'm trying to think. It might be Andrade at number four. I think that would make the most sense. And then as far as, yeah, I think Andrade makes the most sense for Jan. What do you think? Yeah, as you said, I think Jan's kind of in a tough spot here where she kind of has to play the waiting game maybe because everybody above her either has a fight or a fight scheduled or like someone that she's already lost to in Rodriguez. So I think there's definitely going to have to be some sort of waiting game unless you want to stay active and fight someone lower than her in the rankings. Um, I don't think the performance on Saturday, although it, it was pretty solid, it didn't do anything to like catapult her into the title conversation, in my opinion. Um, but definitely gained some traction again with a good with with a good solid win. Um, but yeah, I think again she's kind of in that that waiting game for now. I think until the people above her get things straight, I guess in some regard. Yeah, I agree. And so I guess the the next part of this is going to be what's next for Dern. Um, in my opinion, I'm a big Dern fan. I think Dern has crazy good potential, and I honestly think she could definitely become champ one day with how level how high level she is. Um, obviously she probably needs to work on her striking more. I know she's been, she's been out for a little bit cause I know she did just have a kid. So not making excuses for her loss this weekend, but definitely she did seem a little bit slower than she usually does. Um, but with that being said, what's next for Dern? Uh, my answer to that is she's kind of in that weird little middle ground as well. She just got bumped down to number six. So her and Jan switched rankings. So it's like she's st- she's in that weird ranking spot, especially coming off a loss to someone who's up and coming. Um, I think that the thing that would make sense for Dern right now would be a rematch against Amanda Rebus. I think that would make the most sense to me. Yeah, definitely. Think? I think that would definitely test her both with her stand-up and her ground game. I think similarly to what Jan did in some regard, not being able to get submitted by Dern and putting the stand-up, the stand-up exchanges. But yeah, you said, yeah, it's kind of a, it's a very busy division. I feel like we've kind of stalled out in that division in terms of like newcomers coming into it. Um, so I feel like maybe there's, again, maybe some waiting to be done for Dern, maybe to fight spring of next year, where there's maybe a couple breakthrough fighters for her to fight. Because um, I think a lot of those guys, a lot of those fighters around her, she's already fought, or you know, MMA math would suggest that she would win against them. So it's kind of a a waiting period for her too. Maybe she rates a little bit, heals up a bit from her injuries and could come back strong in, in springtime maybe. Yeah, exactly. I think if, I, th- I guess the way I was putting it is if they don't want to play that waiting game since they are both at that middle ground, I feel like the most sense would, if they wanted to be active, Jan, Andrade, and then uh, Dern and Rebus. Because I was looking, I mean, a Rebus rematch would be entertaining just because Rebus is another woman that is on the up and coming. She's a great young talent. Um, they already did fight, but I think it would be a good rematch. Uh, Rebus is fresh off a loss against Manon, who is fighting the number one contender coming up. So I think that that rematch, I, it could happen eventually. Even if Dern does play the waiting game, I could still see it happening because uh, I know they probably want to put Rebus against some uh, top 10 top six competition and get her up there. See if she can get a title shot eventually. I think Marina Rodriguez is fighting Amanda Lemos. I believe the same card as Mitchell of Loyal was just announced. So that kind of proves like that was someone that kind of like, you know, Rodriguez, I don't think had to fight someone lower than her in the rankings in Lemos, but probably took the fight to, to, to stay active. So, you know, win or lose, maybe Lemos would be a good opportunity, a, a good opponent for Dern. I mean, whether or not she beats Rodriguez or not, but we'll see what happens in that fight. Yeah, I agree completely. So I guess we can go into the other fight on that main event card um, with Randy Brown. What do you think about Randy Brown? Yeah, I thought it was, you know, a good methodical performance. Um, Trinaldo, in my opinion, has been kind of the underheralded kind of fighter in that division. I mean, he's almost what i think 42 43 years old he's kind of he's the age 44 of, yeah 44 look at that he's kind of the, <laughs> age of the age of the ages wonder in some regard and you know he's had some close fights i mean his two losses the last couple of years have been to i believe alexander hernandez and i believe it was i could take a look real quick but he's had some pretty close fights so he's a pretty game fighter he's a pretty scrappy fighter and i thought brown did what he had to do to get the win um you know maybe not a big statement made but and that's a very game very dangerous Ronaldo. i thought it was a good good a good performance in a three-round fight 
Yeah, I agree as well. It's, it wasn't anything too fancy, obviously. Nothing too crazy happened. Um, but, you know, looking at the odds of that fight, Randy was a negative 320 favorite. So I, don't, I, I could see that big of a favorite. Um, I mean, if we're looking at just like statistics, I mean, we've got Brown, who's 32 years old and he's 6'3", going against Trinaldo, who is that ageless wonder at 44 years old, but he's also 5'8". So, I mean, you know, height's not everything, reach isn't everything, but, you know, that big of a difference definitely, it, it played out exactly how I thought it would play out. Definitely. I would think, and the other guy on the card who had, the, who had a big night, in my opinion, was Mike Davis. Mike Davis, to me, I think he ended or ended the or enter the fight as the underdog, which I thought was kind of crazy because uh, I think he had a great win, I think, early 2021 against Mason Jones. Uh, but Davis, so Davis' last fight was in early 2021, so it was over a year and a half uh, since his last uh, UFC performance or any sort of fight, and he put on a great performance against uh, Slava Borshev. I thought it was a great fight for Davis. His box, he looked good. His kicks looked really good as well. Some great defense in there as well. So he's the one to watch in my opinion, in that lightweight division going forward. Yeah, I 100% agree. I actually <laughs> I actually had Borshev as the person. He was my favorite um, when I was looking over the card, and I actually picked Borshev. But then going and watching the fight, man, Mike Davis looked sharp. His, his, he looked extremely fast. He connected big on, on multiple shots that whole fight. Um, yeah, Mike Davis, like you said, he, he's definitely one to watch for sure. Davis's two losses as a pro have come to Sadiq Youssef and Gilbert Burns. And Youssef had a great had a great win on Saturday as well. And Gilbert Burns, we all know, is a very tough top ten fighter in his own right. So Mike Davis, again, has only lost to the top level competition and is a really solid, really game fighter going forward. A really good action fighter as well, in my opinion. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean his two losses speak for themselves. I mean, Sadiq Yusuf just submitted somebody in 30 seconds in the first round. And then Gilbert Burns, I mean, we all saw the Hamza-Gilbert Burns fight, which, in my yeah. opinion, might be fight of the year. So that being his two losses should not weigh heavy on who Mike Davis is because he's definitely on the up and up. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, I thought Brennan, Brennan Allen's fight versus Christoph Jocko was a very good win. You know, to beat a guy like, like, uh, like Christoph Jocko via first-round submission – it's a pretty tough thing to do. Jocko, you know, had quietly won a few in a row going into the fight against Brandon. I think he'd beaten Sirkunov and Mearshart, two guys known for their submissions. And he was able to beat both those guys via the scorecards. So to come out against Brandon Allen and see what Allen did to Jocko was very impressive because those two guys couldn't do that to him as well. Yeah, it's, it's extremely impressive. I actually had uh, Brendan as my choice on that fight even though he was the i think he was the plus 110 underdog um in that fight but man i think as a ufc fan and people who have been watching ufc for a little bit i mean we all know brennan allen does have potential i mean it's it's he has potential 100 percent. he does usually i mean from what we've seen in past experiences he's fallen short with more of the technical strikers and ground people i think he kind of just gets um, he relies too heavy he, on his strength. He's a very strong guy. Um, you could see it in flashes in this fight this week or last weekend as well. Uh, he was kind of sticking to his strength more than technique, and it, he can get caught that way. And he has got caught that way in multiple ways. But he's a sharp guy, man. I think he has great potential. Um, I know <laughs> he did call out Andre Muniz, which I think might be a little little too soon for him, um, <laughs> to be completely honest. I mean, his last loss was against Chris Curtis in 2019 and then Sean Strickland in 2020. So he's, I, I believe he might, he's, he's a 20-win fighter now. I think he might be 20-5. and five. Um, So, I mean, Muniz, I, I really like Muniz. I don't think Brendan's ready for that. But you never know, it could happen. I think he called out Anthony Hernandez after he called out Muniz. Hernandez actually beat Brandon Allen, I believe it was early on in their careers at LFA in 2018. Uh, and Anthony Hernandez has won three in a row against Vieira, Fremd, and Berrio. So that could be a good fight. Winner of that fight will probably get a, get a chance to fight someone in the top 10, maybe. Especially in the middleweight division, that's currently the way it looks right now. So could be a good rematch from the original scene to happen at a UFC main card coming soon, maybe. Yeah, and so another thing we can get into is with last weekend's card, um, these fighters, specifically Dern and Brendan is who I'd like to get into, 
uh, how their card market was affected after this weekend and maybe even before leading up to last weekend's fight. Uh, what was going on with their market? Did you see anything specific? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great thing to talk about. Um, as I think we'll get into throughout the entirety of this show, both today and forever as we do this, the UFC card market's kind of difficult. It's kind of strange to understand some, sometimes. You know, it's unlike any other sport card market that there is right now. Um, you have a lot of investors, a lot of collectors. You know, you fight once every three months or so, so it's not a consistent thing to watch a season, per se. Um, but yeah, I, I think most most fans of Dern kind of thought that this might happen, I feel like, where she would do really well on, on the ground, on, on the mat, but have her struggles and maybe some weaknesses standing up. But I think the framework with Dern is, is there for her to be as you said, Gavin, the future champ one day. Like, there's the framework and the strength and the the attitude is definitely there for her to be a champ one day. So I think most people with her cards are going to feel the same way. They're going to feel like, hey, let's keep holding them. She might get a big win again, as we said, maybe in springtime, maybe fight a big fight next summer. And it might be a little bit long term, of course. You know, we're in October right now. It's some time, some time away, I guess. But there's still some hope with Duran. Now, Allen's a tricky one, in my opinion, because Brendan Allen, as you said, he's 20-5. and five. He's kind of won against the guys he's supposed to beat in some regard, and every kind of time he's gotten a big step up, he's had some trouble winning that fight, um, whether it be against like Strickland or Curtis, whoever it might be. So for me, I think the, the next fight for Allen's the big fight for him, obviously. I think he'll probably get maybe a Muniz, maybe, maybe a Hernandez, someone of that nature to where... You know, if he loses to those to that guy or whoever he fights, there's some serious kind of consideration about 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 his career in general at that point. I think. Yeah, I hundred percent agree with everything you just said. Actually, I mean, Dern, she's she's a fan favorite, um, especially with her card market. There's so many Dern fans. Um, she's she's really solidified herself as one of those top fighters in her division. So as far as her card market goes, I think it's probably just going to be a standstill for right now. Uh, I mean, she lost to a very amazing striker and young talent in Jan. Like you said, it, it was kind of, I wouldn't say expected, but it was definitely a strong possibility for her to lose that fight. Um, so yeah, with Dern, she's got that fan base. I don't see her market really moving too much. Uh, she's still highly ranked as well. So like you said, she could have another big fight coming up either next year, probably next year. So it's just like, she's got a lot of upside. She could be champ. She could be top five again. It's, it's, I think she's, she'll probably be at a standstill for a little bit. And as far as Brendan goes, man, so Brendan really doesn't have too many cards out there. I know he's got his prism rookie. Um, that's kind of the, the card I kind of did some research on. Uh, to see if there was any fluctuation after his big win last Saturday. And basically, I mean, there's not too many sales on Brendan at the moment. His, like I said, he doesn't have many cards. So diving into the Prism Rookie card that he has, it's still fairly cheap. Um, I saw them going. It's not a very expensive card. So, you know, maybe if he does get that Muniz fight, if he gets a win against Muniz, or if that gets announced... A cheap little Brendan Allen rookie card might not be the baddest thing to have around because if he either does get the upset against Mooney's, I mean, Brendan's, Brendan's potential is there, like I said before. So, you know, with his cards, that potential is still there for his market. So the market's not crazy on Brendan Allen right now, but with the potential that he has, the call out that he made, there might be some potential in his card market to eventually go up. Definitely. And we've seen that Mooney's card market has gained a lot of traction recently. Uh, so I would think that if Allen were to beat a guy like Muniz, kind of people who have Muniz cards might jump ship to have get Brendan Allen cards maybe, right? It's like the guy to beat their guy might be their new guy in some regard. Um, and I think with Dern too, with Mandy Dern, one more thing about her is that what she does well, grappling and in jiu-jitsu, I think it ages very well into your career. Uh, we saw with Damian Maya when he was, I think, almost 40, trying to fight Tyron Rudy for a title shot, right? And then he beat Ben Askren. You know, jiu-jitsu and grappling is probably, of the three, wrestling, stand-up, or striking, and then BJJ, probably the one that ages the most beneficial to you getting older and getting more experienced. And so we could, you know, maybe two or three years down the road, maybe see Darren still be top 10, trying to fight for a title, for a title, for a title shot one day, because she has that, that base of being such a good grappler in her back pocket. 
I 100% agree. And she's got that chin, man. I mean, she was taking some some massive, massive blows on uh, last weekend's fight. So, I mean, like you said, she she can just get better. The potential's there. Same with Brendan Allen. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see what their market does because, like I said, Dern's per- had a pretty strong market. Um, I think it's going to be a standstill for right now until something gets announced for her. And then with Allen, he's just got a massive possibility in his market as well. And one more thing on last week's card. I do hope that we see some Mike Davis cards, maybe in 2023 UFC prison for the first time, because his cards, because his last fight against Jones and then before that against Gifford, but then last weekend against Borshev was just, he's a, he's a great fighter and it's time to get some cards from Mike Davis, Padini. That's very true. We've got a list of up and coming fighters that we need. And Mike Davis is definitely, he's, he's on the top of that list for sure. There's a couple sure. guys up there, but he's up there for sure. Yeah, I think, you know, he could be a big rookie in 2023 prison. Maybe Jack Della, Madalena as well, Alex Pereira. You know, there's a couple guys that could be really good in, in, in the new product as well. Can't forget about Bo Nickel. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I, I totally forgot. He has a big fight, big fight heading up in December against Jamie Pickett. That's for sure. Yeah, there's a bunch that we got to look out for. So... As far as the UFC market goes, we're going to go into a couple different topics with the UFC cards and the UFC market. Uh, one thing that we did want to point out, I mean, this guy took the UFC by storm and he's, he's got nothing but potential as well. Uh, Patty Pimblett. Um, so basically, just looking into Patty Pimblett's market right now, it is down, which is very interesting because when you see someone that's so iconic like Patty, young kid making his way to the top in the UFC millions of millions of fans i mean his last fight just was insane and so basically my question is is that first off why is his market down let's let's hit on that first why do you think patty's market is down at the moment i think it, it's it's kind of interesting and kind of of course impossible to pinpoint exactly but i think it starts with the idea that fans of the ufc want cards of people in the news is or some regard they kind of want the the shiny new toy right Patty's last fight, I believe, was in August or July. It's been a couple of months, right? Uh, when he beat when he beat um, Jordan Levitt. So people are now moving into Makachev and Oliveira and soon to be Bo Nickel, maybe. So people are kind of on other trains now, picking up other cards. Uh, also, I would say people probably sold a lot of a lot of, a lot of, a lot of Patty cards. You know, when Patty beat Jordan Levitt, the market, from what I could tell. Had a ton of Patty cards available, one that people were holding between his second fight to the third fight when he beat Levitt. Um, as I saw on eBay looking today, I mean, one of the select rookie base level golds, number 10 rookie card, sold for $13.75 in July and then at $8.60 in September. Again, so that was kind of right at or after his first, his, his third fight, his last fight. Um, did over a thousand bucks, over, well, $13.75 and then. September with no fight in between. It does eight. It does eight sixty. Sells for eight sixty. So, kind of an odd trend again, as you said, Gavin. He hasn't fought since. But in fact, he didn't fight between those two sales. So, what's the reason for it? And I guess to me, the the best idea that I have is just kind of the fatigue with Patty. You know, he's not fighting. Has no fights scheduled yet. Maybe soon, but none yet. To where he's kind of out of news right now in some regard. So yeah, would no. You- Sorry, uh, but would you guys like say that, like, for example, UFC is a lot more dependent on the schedule of like how these fighters fight as opposed to like all these other sports where there's seasons in and out, there's like turn like different cups and competitions and leagues and all that that play into it, whereas with MMA, um, like these fighters fight maybe once twice a year three times a year on like a good year would you guys say that like that affects the market a lot more than like like in terms of popularity and demand i think definitely and the one thing that people forget about too that i've kind of noticed only recently is that a lot of people are afraid to buy a card of someone that they think might lose you know we're, we're seeing that kind of with makachev Oliveira, who they fight later this month in a massive massive fight probably one of the most anticipated fights of the year you know, people people are kind of soft on Oliveira cards, perhaps, because they're afraid if they buy Oliveira card right now, it would be buying towards the peak of his card. But then he probably, he, if they think he might lose to Makachev, 
then they're losing money or whatever they 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 think when he loses the fight. Um, and that's purely from an investing aspect of the card, not so much a collecting part of it. If you're going to keep the card, why does it matter if he wins or loses? I guess in some regard, but for someone buying a card of Oliver to invest and to speculate right now, yeah, I think people are afraid to buy his cards because he, he might lose. I think with Patty, it's like Patty might get a big step up his next fight, whether it be in December, January, whenever it might be. He might get a ranked opponent for that matter. So people who have fun with him watching him fight against unranked guys might be a little more cautious to put money into him right now as an investment with a big fight coming up, perhaps. And as you said, Fod, it's, it's tough when you fight three times a year, right? Or at maybe two or three times a year max. Like, it's tough. Uh, everybody wants to, in the different parts, but if I fight, fight almost every weekend, so, you know, you have Paddy, Chemaev, you know, Oliveira, Makachev, Adesanya, Leon Edwards, all these super big names, but they're all scattered throughout the year fighting at different times, but they're all big card guys. So everybody kind of wants a piece of the pie. They want a piece of the big name. So with that in mind, it's kind of hard for people to buy everyone. But instead, they might buy a patty, sell a patty. Buy an Islam, then sell an Islam. Then buy a, you know, Leon Edwards for the fight against Usman, and sell the Edwards card. So it's kind of a, I think we're seeing kind of a balancing effect from collectors and investors with these cards in some regard. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, the UFC market is just a whole different kind of beast um, compared to any of the other sports markets. I mean... Not only is it just relevancy of how much a fighter fights, but what I've seen, the tendency of prices go up or down is dependent on so many different factors. That's It's like with, with football, the if we're looking at last season, the MVP candidate, whoever that is at the time, if they're scoring a bunch of touchdowns, throwing a bunch of touchdowns, rushing for a crazy amount of yards, obviously their market will tend to go upwards. With the UFC, uh, since it's not a game there's not multiple games every week like football. Um, like you said, maybe at best three fights a year, depending on their performance, if they're knocking out people on their fights, if they're submitting people um, with Patty. I mean, he hasn't fought anybody too crazy high ranked wise, but since he does have that hype around him with social media, he's one that's just going to hold his value um, at a certain extent. So even though he might only fight two times this year, since he does that, have that following, it's different than an NFL market where someone has to constantly put up numbers for their cards to stay at a certain price. I kind of noticed too, in some of the Facebook group stuff that I'm in, people love having cards of the fighter before they fight. I mean, they love to kind of like, not show it off, but kind of like show people and, you know, big fight for this guy tomorrow night. And then if he wins and does great things, they don't show it off again. It's like, it's, it's, it's so, it's, I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is at some point, there's nothing a fighter can do to help his value. People, he may have a first round knockout, a first round submission, whatever it might be, dominant win, but he, it still may be impossible to regain the prior fight card, market card price. Because people are going to sell you and move on to, to, to the next guy so quickly in strict investment terms. Yeah, that's 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 a great thing to point at because actually going back to that select rookie base level gold to ten Patty Pimblet, uh, like you said, it did sell for thirteen seventy five in July, and then later on this year, September twelfth, it sold for eight sixty. Same exact card. Um, to go into a little bit deeper on that, I mean, the card uh, that sold for thirteen seventy five sold on July twenty third. Um, which was pretty much, I think that was actually like his fight. Oh no, sorry. The card sold, I believe, let's see when that card sold. It was really relevant. It was in July, which he fought, I believe, July 23rd. So the sale was, I believe, maybe either before or after, which does seem to be the most popular time to either sell a fighter that has a big fight, a big anticipated fight coming up. Uh, either the week before or week after is usually the hottest time to sell. Um, depending on who the fighter is and what they've got coming up. So that 1375 for that card, th the time frame it was sold makes sense for the price. And like you said, it kind of declines if there isn't anything going on with them. So that September sale on uh, the 12th at 860, a couple months after the fight, people are pretty much either they sold all their patty out after that big win or they're holding. So it's kind of, it's a standstill point on him right now. And I think that's, that's, that explains why the price differential is so great um, with that patty card specifically. Definitely. I think, I think, sorry, Fod, I think that was the peak of the patty card, right? 
either the day of his fight or the pay for the day after his fight, whatever it might have been. That's as high as Paddy cards have gotten so far, aside from like the day of the release of the Prism cards or whatever, right? Like this is, you know, after a big release, that's there's usually some pretty big sales. But I think Select Select had been out for a little bit when this card sold to where it was purely based on the Paddy fight that night or the night before, whatever it was. Um, in that fight, in the sale in September was again, as you said, Gavin, two months or whatever was removed from the fight to where Patty has no fight scheduled, had no fight scheduled back then. So people again were either holding or they weren't selling this card at that moment. Yeah, is this what, like, what you got notice? Uh, I've noticed it a couple with a couple people from my experience with people trying to buy and sell is that people will buy um, certain fighters like a month or so before their fight or as soon as their fight gets scheduled in order to then sell the morning right before they fight or for some people they risk it to see them win then try to sell it so they can maximize quote-unquote profit where it's strictly like a flipping perspective when it comes to that aspect of how you do it definitely and, and this is again strictly from a flipping investment speculative perspective not really collecting perspective um, but I would say it's kind of similar to other sports in, in a similar regard to like hockey, for example. You know, when the Avalanche won the cup, if you bought a Kill McCarr card in the first round series and sold it when they were playing in the Stanley Cup final, yeah, you probably would have sold it for more than what you bought it for. Uh, but that card right now, at this very moment, October 4th, is probably down than what you could have sold it for, what you did have, what you sold it for in the cup final game. Um, because it's just kind of worn off a little bit. Now it's probably picked back up a little bit to than where it was like in July, middle of the off season. It's October, season's around the corner, but still, it's kind of like it's. I think the time between a fight and the next fight for a fighter is kind of like an off season for hockey card, hockey players, MLB players, etc. But to take your point further, I think that's probably one of the best times as a collector to try to buy because a lot of people yeah a lot of people are going to try to people who are in it for the investment are going to try to offload this stuff because they're like it's down whatever let's move on so as a collector this might be a good time to buy to for you just keep it because it's at a lower price i mean if i mean if you're a friend of patty pimblet yeah you'd rather buy the card for 860 two months after his fight of course then 1,375 in July of the night of his fight. Now, sometimes, sometimes it's hard to do so. It's hard to restrain yourself from, from buying the card for over a thousand bucks, 90 fights. It's a lot of excitement, of course. You know, your friend or your, your favorite fighter wins or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if, he had, if that person had waited till September, they would have bought it for, or could have won it for 860. So I yes. guess, yeah, I, yeah, sorry, Gavin. I guess I wanted to say, like, what do you think about the, Islam Makachev market and the Oliveira market heading into their big fight here in a few weeks. And I think it's kind of similar to what we said about maybe some nerves about either one of them losing. You know, Islam's rookie was only, I believe, 2019 tops chrome. Oliveira has a couple older top rookies as well, a couple older leaf autos as well. So I think we're kind of seeing a strange market, but those two fighters, again, have a big fight, super fight, in my, in my opinion biggest fight of the year to date coming up i think in a few weeks i think it's two weeks or three weeks from, from saturday but gonna be a big fight i'm excited for that fight but i think we're seeing some some people who are buying those cards and trying to sell them maybe a little nervous about uh, about what might happen in that fight yeah for sure it's definitely islam and Oliveira's situation as far as the the card market goes is is very very interesting um basically i feel like most investors, you want to go for that rookie card. Usually you get the most value out of that rookie card. That's what everybody wants. That's what people chase. So with Oliveira and Islam, their rookies being only in older product, the market is extremely hard for them because not only is the quantity not there, it's very low quantity. The prices are also going up because say we're talking about Patty, his rookie. It's in Prism. Prism, you can still get Prism products fairly easily. With Islam and Charles, the products they were in with their rookie year is not as accessible as Prism. So obviously the prices on the cards, if you can find a single of the card, is going to be pretty pretty high just because you're not going to be able to risk 
opening a product and getting it just because the product is so inaccessible. I think that's a good point, though, because I will also say, though, that had Oliver or Makachev had a rookie car in Prism, whether it be 2022 or 2021, the cards might be selling even higher than what they are right now. You know, both guys were rookies in, you know, older Tops products, quite Oliver a lot older than Makachev rookies. But it's kind of like if Patty fell the title tomorrow, right? His card would be crazy because he's only had Panini cards. Islam and Oliver have had both Panini and Tops cards. So where there's not only more of them out there, or at least more general cards, not just rookie cards, but general cards out there, to where I think there's just more supply. And both parties have been in the UC for a while now to where they both have their fan base of collectors. You know, there are people who I think want Oliveira cards and want Islam cards who aren't going to really, of course, are going to be rooting for their guy on October 21st, I believe, but aren't going to really hold it up to them whether they win or lose, right? It's going to be, they're going to they're root for the guy to win, but not be upset if he doesn't. Or, or, yeah. or, not, rush, or, or, or not try to sell their cards if he doesn't win, right? Um, so I think those are two fighters that do have a lot of collectors um, as well. Yeah, I mean, I 100% agree. The anticipation up to this fight, I mean, Charles technically losing his belt, um, Islam coming up being a, a massive hype train. I mean, he's, he's a good fighter. He's got massive hype behind him. So for this to be the title for Islam already as well, I mean, Islam has only fought a couple um, top kind of guys, I guess you could say, in the division. So it's it's very interesting. It's a it's a very interesting fight. The setup between both of them, it's very you don't we don't know what's gonna happen. I would say um, I'm a Charles Oliveira fan, so obviously I do want Charles to win, and I am confident in Charles. But there's still that unexpected area that you just don't know what's gonna happen with Islam. Definitely, and I think as I said to you, I think we talked a little bit to maybe a week or two ago, Gavin. I think Islam's opponent going from Bobby Green to Charles Oliveira. This could might be one of the biggest step ups in title competition history. You know, uh, ignoring any late replacements or anything, like fighting Bobby Green and then fighting for the title. No thing, nothing, nothing against Bobby Green, but it's a, it's a giant step up. And I know Bobby Green was a late was a late replacement, but you know, preparing for Green versus preparing for Oliver is a completely different story. So definitely going to be very surprised. Going to be fun to see what happens in, in this fight. I think a lot of things might be entered in, in, in the first round, if not the first minute of this fight. And the entire card is really cool, too. I mean, you have Sterling versus Dillashaw, Yano Mali, Dariush and Gamrat. It's going to be a great fight. Uh, of course, Drew Kagan and Fioro. And then, of course, Brady Muhammad on the prelims. It's going to be a great night of fights. Or, sorry, a great day of fights here in the U.S. It's going to be during the day here in the U.S. So it's going to be a great day of fights here in the U.S. Yeah, I mean it's a stack card. I'm I'm so excited. It's probably the most stacked card of the year. I think every UFC fan is just itching for it to be October 22nd already. I mean, there's so many prospects, so many high-level people on that card. I mean, that card could change the entirety of the UFC basically on all of the fights. Like it's actually crazy. We've got Charles and Islam, like you said, Islam is probably like it's actually insane. He's going from Bobby Green to a title shot. Then we've got Aljo and TJ. TJ is obviously coming back, trying to get the belt. Then we've got Peter Yan versus Sean O'Malley, which is absolutely crazy. We've got a guy, I think Sean just moved up in the rankings. I think Sean is, yeah, he's number 12. He's not even top 10. So we've got the number 12 fighter. I love Sean O'Malley, but this isn't a thing that happens very often. We've got the number 12 fighter fighting the number one contender in the bantamweight division and then we've got the champion and the number two bantamweight on the same card which is awesome it's that doesn't happen very often and then like you said we also have let's see who else do we have we've got gamrot versus dariush two very solid fighters and then we've got chukagan and furio a great prospect and uh furio Chukigan, obviously, I feel like she's been at that top spot, number one, for a while. And then finishing off in the prelims, it's a prelim fight, uh, Sean Brady and Bilal, which I think is crazy. Uh, Sean Brady, top welterweight, Muhammad, top five welterweight. And for that to be the prelim just shows how crazy that card's actually going to be. Definitely. And you also have uh, Vulcan Uzdemir versus Nikita Krylov in the prelims as well. And a very underrated fight, in my opinion, is Shamil Abdurakimov versus Jailton Almeida. Almeida is a completely ripped heavyweight who has just completely ran through his three UFC opponents thus far. 
being a ranked opponent in Abdurakimov. Almeida is a guy to watch in terms of next year's Prism. 2023 Prism might be 4-0 at that point of release of that product. Someone to watch out in the heavyweight division going forward, in my opinion, for sure. Yeah, what, I agree. Uh, what uh, what trends do you guys expect in the card market with a UFC card being that big in October? Do you guys think that'll gain more traction for the cards? Will it boost up the market a lot? How do you guys see the card, the market moving the next couple months? You know, well, I'm I'm curious because we are still probably waiting on one more release from Panini this year. Uh, there has there's been some speculation. But as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing been concrete in terms of what product they might have. Now, people think it might be Optic. We'll see. Um, but by then, there might be more clearance and more, a better idea of what, you know, I think would be their fourth product might be out later this year. Um, so that would help, you know, maybe if a week after this product, this, this fight car, there's a new release out. It's probably kind of close, I guess. But that would certainly help the card... The, the fight card, I mean, you know, have some trading card traction. Uh, but yeah, I, I think, you know, especially in the holiday season coming around the corner too, with this fight card being late October, uh, it's a big, it's a big, big opportunity for these fighters to get the name out there, uh, both on the UFC level, but also the card, the, the card level for sure. Yeah, I agree. I would say that as far as the card market's concerned, um, the two that I would see. I mean, there's probably, there's two definites that I think is going to jump up highly in price if they do secure a win on this card, that being Sean O'Malley. Uh, he's all, he's already got a massive fan base. His cards already go for a good amount as far as price goes, depending on what the card is. And that's him being at number 12. So imagine what that's going to do if he beats the number one contender. Uh, and then the other person would also be Manon, who's the number seven in the women's flyweight division. And she's taking on Chuk Agin, who's number one in the division. Obviously, Manon's still very young, and she's number seven. So if she gets a win against the number one person, number one contender in the flyweight division, I feel like her market is actually going to skyrocket as well. Her market actually has been on the upscale going towards this fight. So... As I could imagine, if she does get the win against Chukagan, the market's probably going to explode on her as well. And one more fire to add in that kind of realm of like could take a big jump is Matus Gamrat, who a lot of people thought might have lost that fight to Armand Sarukin his last time out, getting a big opponent here in Patil Daryush on the main card. If Gamrat's able to pull that off, his cards and his overall view as a fighter in, a, in, in this very, very stacked lightweight division. Would, would take a big jump as well. Because again, people, whether that's right or not, people think that he kind of lost, may have lost that fight to Saryukin to where his cards haven't seen the biggest jump that we would have seen normally, per se. Um, but if he can beat a guy like Daryush, who's been on a tear the last couple of years, um, would be a big thing for him. Similarly to like Fioro being Chukagin or O'Malley being Jan. Yeah, for sure. And then I, I can't leave him out. I mean, I, I really do like this kid. I think he's a stud. Sean Brady, even though it is on the prelims, Sean Brady's the number eight. Bilal's number five. Bilal, I mean, I feel like he surprises everyone every time he fights. I've got Sean Brady on a lock on this one, though. I really do like Sean. Um, the welterweight division is in shambles right now. No one really knows what's going to happen in that welterweight division. So, I mean, if Hamza moves up the middle, we've got Leon as champ. Usman's number one. Sean gets into that top five category. We might see him get a title shot pretty soon. I like Sean, man. I think it could happen. Yeah, and the winner of that fight may be seeing someone like Shavkat Rachmanov or someone in that same realm for their next fight, which would be obviously a very big name. That's a very, very big prospect. So a lot of things on the line for both Sean Brady and Bilal Muhammad come, this later, come, come, that, come their fight in later October. Yeah, so... I guess we can get into some MMA news. So today, I believe, was released. Uh, Aspen Ladd is signing with the PFL, or she has signed with the PFL. What do you think about that, Devin? Yeah, I guess uh, they made an announcement this morning that she will be joining their, what's going to be a brand new uh, women's featherweight division at 145, which they've never had before. I believe they've had women's lightweight, which is where Kayla Harrison's been fighting at 155. Uh, but then I saw, I think Harrison retweeted that she would take a fight at some point against Aspen Ladd. So kind of a cool dynamic there, I guess. I mean, we've kind of 
been waiting for someone to step up from another organization to fight Kayla Harrison, who, you know, one of the best judokas of all time, former Olympian, I mean, just a dominant fighter in the PFL, has ran through everybody in that 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 organization at least twice now, it seems like. Um, so it would be a very, very big fight. Maybe sometime next year to have her take on Aspen Lad. But yeah, I mean, good for Lad. I mean, Lad, you know, I feel, you know, it's tough for her. I mean, she's missed weight a few times. She's had some tough losses. That she made Durand me stoppage was kind of bad, in my opinion. About because she really had no longer time to fight against Durand Durandamy. Me. But regardless, she's in, the, she's in the PFL now. I think it's the right choice for her career. And, and who knows? If she beats Kelly Harrison next, next year, she could have a million bucks in her pocket as the PFL champ. And, Sign somewhere else, maybe. We all left, left, left to see, I guess. Yeah, I agree. I think it's pretty exciting, man. I mean, the PFL has has recently came out and signed a good amount of, of fighters that are well-known, which I think is really cool. I think it's like, from what we've seen recently, um, with Aspen Ladd, uh, Tiago Santos signing with the PFL, some UFC fighters that are moving over to the PFL that just... Uh, it's, they don't really have a clear path of what they want to do. Like with Aspen, unfortunately, missing weight a couple of times. Then Tiago losing to Jamal Hill. He's kind of in that point where he didn't really have anything left. So moving over to the PFL, I think it's really cool. And I think the PFL could eventually get pretty mainstream. I mean, they've got the Burgos and Maurice fight coming up as well, which I think is cool. So I think if they keep signing some some names from the UFC, some former names of the UFC, scheduling some really nice fights, I think it could get mainstream eventually and be very exciting. Definitely. And I think it's, it is worth mentioning that I, I hate to use this term, but Santos and Lab, they're not they're not completely washed, right? They're not, you know, completely out of their realm in PFL or UFC. Their chains are still there, I think. Like they still could be very competitive in the PFL. Now I do think the PFL, I'm not a huge fan of their scoring system right now. I'm not a huge fan of like, you know, the point system that they use to decide the winners. Um and I wasn't a big fan of some of the replacements that they had or the way they did replacements when fighters were either hurt or injured or something like that, when they had like the playoffs going and stuff. But besides that, I agree. I mean, the PFL, it's on ESPN. It's on mainstream TV during the week when there's no UFC on. A big opportunity for them to really break into the secondary MMA televised events, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, the next thing I got, the highly anticipated, we all knew it was coming, and I'm just so excited that we can finally say it is, it's here. Moreno versus Figueroa on the Rio card. I mean, what, what more could we ask for? We've got an amazing card coming up on October 22nd, and then we've got one of the most anticipated, what is this? Is this the fourth fight they're doing? I mean, I'm so excited. Definitely, I think the the upcoming pay-per-views are going to be loaded. I mean, you have, as we said, Oliver Makachev. Then you have Adesanya. Our guy, Israel Adesanya, defending the belt for Alex Pereira. I think December's card is still up in the air. Maybe we see a year versus Glover, too. But then, yeah, January, at least one of the fights there on that card in Rio, Brazil, is going to be Figueiredo versus Moreno. Again, it will be in Brazil, so it will be in Figueiredo's home country. Should be fun to see that fight. The fourth time they fought, and it's weird. A lot of times when there's a third fight, or let alone a third fight, there's like, you know, usually some disdain to it. It's not the most, the right thing to, the right thing to do, right? But I feel like we're getting the fourth fight of these guys, and we also want this fight to happen, right? There's no, we want to see them fight for a fourth time, and maybe even a fifth time after this card next January. Yeah, I mean, they're so high level, so competitive. That that match is just it's so fun to watch. Like you said, like most people would get tired of watching these two guys keep fighting over and over again. But with these guys, man, like I said, they're just so high level. Moreno's got a massive fan base. Figueiredo is just so technical, high level. I mean, when they go against each other, we've seen it multiple times. It's just amazing. So I'm very excited for that coming up to start the new year. Man, it's gonna be awesome. So another fight coming up um, before or no? Let's see after the loaded October fight. We've got a fight at the Apex on, uh, let's see, Evloev versus Mitchell is now the new main event. What do you think about that? Yeah, it should be a great fight. You know, it's, it's sometimes rare in the, now, in the new kind of matchmaking realm of the UFC to see two amazing prospects get matched up kind of young in their careers. But you know, just a couple of years ago, we saw Bryce Mitchell come out of tough and 
It's, I think one of one every fight since he's been great. Uh, and and Evloyev has just been unreal as well. Great wrestler, super strong base. Should be a great fight because you have the the wrestling chops of Evloyev with the submission jujitsu chops of Mitchell. Should be a real cool fight. I love that it's five rounds now. It might really test both their gas tanks if it goes five hard hard rounds. Should be a great fight. I'm glad it's the main event. The type of fight that yeah, I don't think either one's top five, but I think we can safely we can safely say that these are top five caliber fighters for sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to be so exciting. Like you said, two massive prospects in the UFC right now. Uh, so I mean, it's, it's going to be sparks. I mean, like you said, Evloev, very nice takedown defense. Mitchell, very amazing at submissions. Evloev's got heavy hands. Mitchell's got a tough, tough chin. It's going to be fun. Five rounds, too. It's, it's going to be an amazing show. That Apex card, I mean, it's, it's, it's a sneaky one this year. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to shock a lot of people with how exciting that card's going to be. Definitely. I'm looking forward to that one. And then, of course, the, the new fight that was announced, I believe, a couple of days ago was uh, Bo Nickel makes a quick turnaround off his Contender Series uh, domination if i want to put it that way against jamie pickett at ufc 282 uh december 10th again that's the card that's a card that could be headlined or might be headlined by glover yuri 2 for yuri's light heavyweight title uh but yeah bo nickel gets his opponent it's going to be jamie pickett uh a pretty good opponent in my opinion pretty game opponent uh, i think a lot of people after bo nickel's fight were maybe calling for someone a little bit you know higher higher regard than pickett you know, I heard, I heard people throw around, you know, Kelvin Gastelum or, you know, maybe, you know, Joaquin Buckley before he got his Chris Curtis fight. You know, there were people throwing around some, some pretty big names. Uh, but I think Pickett's a good a good step into the to the UFC, in my opinion. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a big pay-per-view card, you know, and he said himself he'll be on the main card. So, going to be the main card of a sold-out pay-per-view. It's a lot different than being in the Apex for the Contender Series. So, I think that alone will be enough of a challenge. But then, of course... Fighting Pickett again will be tough as well. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very excited for Bo now that he's in the UFC. Like you said, it was complete domination in the Contender Series. I know a lot of people were upset when he didn't get the contract off of the first fight, but I think we all knew comfortably that Bo Nickel was going to be in the UFC, and especially after that last performance, it's very apparent that he belongs in the UFC. I did see. I'm very excited about the picket fight. I did see Bo came out either today or a couple days ago that he will retire if he is not on the main card. What do you think about that? <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if the stipulation to him fighting again on the Contender Series, fighting the second time on the Contender Series, well, that if he gets a win, he would fight on the main card of a pay per view. Probably was witnessed some sort of loose agreement with Dana White in the UFC. Wouldn't shock me. But yeah, I mean, Bo Nickel is a, in my opinion, as of right now, a transcendent talent, a generational talent, maybe in some regard. He's similar to when we saw Chamayev make her debut, or Adesanya, or to some extent, maybe Patty Pimbler. Like, he's, he's that kind of both, that kind of fighter, both inside and outside the octagon, to where could be a superstar down the road, for sure. I 100% agree. And what's really cool about Bo as well, not only is he a once-in-a-lifetime talent, but going back to the card market, once Bo does get his cards or when he gets his cards, I mean, he's bringing a whole other fan base over to the UFC with his wrestling background. So with him being in the UFC now, bringing over all... I mean, he's he's the top-of-the-line wrestler and as far as collegiate goes. I mean, he's, he's the man. So having that massive fan base from wrestling getting moved over to now the UFC, the the potential for the card market, especially with him, is going to have a whole new eyes on this card market as far as the UFC goes. And honestly, I'm just excited for it because not only is Bo cards probably going to be super expensive, but it's going to bring a whole new fan base to collecting and selling in the UFC game. I'll say one more quick thing, Fod. I agree with you, Gavin. We've kind of been wigging all year for someone like Bo Nickel to come into the UFC, right? In 2021, Prism, in their first release, we had Chmaev rookies. Uh, in 2022, we had Patty Pimblet rookies. 2023 might be headlined by Bo Nickel rookies, right? Like, it's, they already have made his instant cards, Panini did, Panini did. So, we could, we wait to late, to late in the year to get a Bo Nickel debut and then 
hopefully a win as well for his, and for his for his sake. But yeah, 2023 Panini products could be headlined uh, by Bo Nickel, so it should be fun to see for sure. Definitely. All right. Um, thank you guys, Devin, Gavin, for hosting this lovely show. Thank you everyone for listening to this episode, debut episode of Cards of the Octagon. Um, hopefully, you know this this uh, episode can be, you know, it's um, it's our first episode, so and we're doing this ourselves, so we're gonna try our best to maintain the quality and deliver the best podcast we can. Um, should be available on most platforms that people listen to podcasts on. Uh, might take us a couple weeks to get it everywhere, but we are working hard to get it everywhere. Um, what's to come? We got more give we got giveaways lined up. We will have fighter interviews. We will have pack openings. We will have all kinds of UFC centered, MMA centered, card centered content that will be not only on the podcast, but on our YouTube channel, Cards of the Octagon. So we're gonna be making not just a this audio podcast, but also video content um and all kinds of like whether it's like trips to different UFC events or, you know, again, pack openings, interviews, all kinds of stuff. Devin, uh, Gavin, and myself are super excited to be delivering this content to you guys. And I um, just want to say thank you guys again for listening. Uh, don't forget to follow our Instagram at Cards of the Octagon. Follow our TikTok at Cards of the Octagon. Uh, don't forget to follow devin and the shop at 314 under uh at 314 sports underscore cards on both instagram and twitter um and then follow gavin um at all time cards on instagram and check out his whatnot as well um and then finally follow me uh at food film fahad on instagram uh other than that thank you guys again so much for listening and uh we'll catch you guys in the next episode where we're going to be talking more about UFC, more about cards, and specifically also more about the Grasso Arajo fight night that will be coming up the week after. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll catch you guys in the next one.